Welcome back to Quality Matters. I'm your hostess, Darcy Chambers. And I'm Kyle. We're back again. Woohoo! Um, I'm giving Kyle a little too much control, I think. I hope you guys have liked our recent topics. They've all been Kyle's suggestion and this one if today. If you did not like them, it's because Darcy flubbed them up. No, it's not. If you didn't like them, you can email kchambers at texasqa.com <laughs> for all complaints. <laughs> Um, so this one Kyle found, I guess, on my ASQ, mm-hmm. you can kind of post a discussion yeah. question, or this was way more than a question. It was yeah. more kind of like a blog, yeah. um, but a valid concern. And what is that concern? In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. So this is Luis Morales. Don't know him. Don't know him at all, and I was looking for a date. I don't see a date on here either. Um, No, no date that I can see quickly. So the gist of the post that I got is about quality management, Mm -hmm. and while it's valuable that it's more towards the big dogs. Yes. And that the smaller, I can't even say mom and pop, because there's another level above mom and pop. Before, I mean, I think there may be a couple levels between, you know, mom and pop Mm -hmm. to the big dogs. And so it feels impossible for those smaller companies to achieve. There's so many things that they don't know. There's acronyms and words that people use. And he talks in here about the way that uh, quality management is marketed. Because folks like ASQ, folks like us, ISO, API, all these folks, they have to market the idea of quality management to folks. Well, unfortunately, it's marketed such that only large companies generally care. Like they talk about quality 4.0. Let's be realistic. Unless you read ASQ every day, do you have any idea what quality 4.0 is? I don't have any idea what quality 4.0 is. No, and you shouldn't either because it's just a bunch of fluff words. All it means is we're using information technology. We're using our IT resources to do a good job with maintaining and monitoring our quality management system. That's all it means. But quality 4.0 sounds great, and I can sell that. Mm -hmm. But the... The majority of the businesses in the United States are less than 100 employees. Like, we're alienating the bulk of our country. Well, I think it's funny because I was reading through this um, article, blog post, Mm -hmm. and even in reading it, I had to stop and say, Kyle, what does this mean? And this guy is writing, arguing that smaller businesses should know. Now, to be fair, as I've stated several times, I'm not a quality manager. I don't really know it. I've learned a lot about it working right. with Kyle. What's it been like two years now? I've been helping you with the business. Yep. So, you know, he mentioned the the BOK. Maybe y'all call it BOK. I don't know. Body of knowledge. Yeah. And so I didn't know what that was. No, nor would most people. I mean, let's take, let's take a weld fab shop or a CNC machine shop. You know, realistically, they probably got anywhere between 30 to 60 folks working there, right? 
And the owner of the company was probably just amazing at what he did before and living the American dream, starting his own business, doing his thing, trying to make it work. This stuff is, I'm not going to say it doesn't apply to, to, uh, to the average small business owner in America, but it, um, it's not marketed to them, and it's a shame. It's really a shame. Yeah, it definitely applies to the average small mm-hmm. business. I think we've talked about that a number of times that, you know, it can save you on your bottom line, mm-hmm. um, save you money and help you make more money because now you have this exactly. certification you're more and marketable. you're doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah. But you go into a, uh, again, go into a CNC machine shop, right? And you start talking about, you know, body of knowledge and quality 4.0. And no one cares. And I would argue, nor should they care. But if you can tell them, on the other hand, hey, how many defects you have uh, have a month? How, how many reworks you got every month? Oh, man, we, 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 go, we go through like two or 300 in these. Okay, well, cool. What if over the next uh, three to six months, we could reduce that down to 50? And you can get the work you're already doing out faster. Oh, man, that'd be awesome, right? You know, because it's a cost savings without mm-hmm. without laying off people. Yeah, just make it common knowledge. Yeah. Make it easy for people to understand. Yeah, it's, uh, it, 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 and qualities, you know, and I, I have to be honest, I'm guilty of it myself. We were, uh, we're trying to find new ways to, to market things for Texas Quality Assurance, right? And we're wanting to do like these, uh, monthly, uh, programs to help manage the quality assurance program. And this is part of what we were looking at with it. And, as I'm going through it, you know, we, we had an acronym ourselves for the original version of it. No one had a damn clue what that acronym meant except us. We thought it sounded great. But it's the same trap. Like, I fell into the same trap I'm criticizing here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's so easy to just come up with all these terms, especially three-letter acronyms are our favorites. But mm-hmm. no one in the real world knows what this stuff is. It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to communicate it. So that's why Kyle and the team keeps me around. They'll be having their little sessions <laughs> yes, and yes. talking about the, their things. And they say, what do you think, Darcy? And I have to, you know, re-engage in the conversation because I've often been working on something else. <laughs> <laughs> and have them tell me about it. But it's good because then it makes them have to kind of re-explain everything and make sure that I can understand it and um and sometimes I do throw it out and say, well, I don't think people are going to understand that. And they say, well, if you're a quality manager, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some truth to that sometimes, but it's too easy to get caught up in your, your own jargon. You know, like the uh, next podcast that we're, we're hoping to, to launch is a Practical Roust about one. Mm-hmm. It's the same idea as what we're talking about here. So for anyone that hasn't heard us talk about this before, tell us a little bit about that because it's along the same lines. Yeah, and I, I mean, we I think we've mentioned it maybe a month or two ago. I'm mm-hmm. kind of slow getting it started. I think I'm a little anxious and nervous to do one on my own. Um, the practical roustabout came about because I sit in these meetings, not just with Kyle and the team, but, you know, other people mm-hmm. from other companies, and I feel completely inadequate to be a part of these conversations. And literally my head just kind of starts spinning, and my I have a headache when we're done because <laughs> I <laughs> – have no idea what they've been talking about, and I often feel too intimidated to ask a question. Yeah. Um, some of that might just be on me. I've heard that people in the oil and gas world are very understanding and don't yes. make you feel stupid, but I just feel so stupid going, 
what are you talking about? <laughs> because I think I would ask that about every two sentences, <laughs> and then y'all couldn't have a conversation. So the practical roustabout is um, intended to be anybody that works in the oil and gas field at any level mm-hmm. um, to come on and be a guest on my podcast mm-hmm. and talk about what you do, mm-hmm. um, education or qualifications required to get you there, a salary range, where you might could move up from there, mm-hmm. um, where that job is, you know, is it out in the field? Is it in an office? Is it international? So just everything about your job mm-hmm. where I can sit down and ask all those questions <laughs> that I'm too intimidated to ask in a lunch conversation right. or whatever. So um, if you are in the oil and gas field and would like to be interested or would like to be on the podcast, yep. you can email me, yeah. dchambers at texasqa.com, and, and just know that I will be asking all the questions. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, it it applies to, to both. Like what you're talking about with the, the oil and gas field is, you know, when you're trying to jump into it and, like, you don't know what the stuff is. And it, let me back up one step here, too, is it is mind-boggling how vast the oil and gas industry is. Like we were at a uh, an event on Tuesday in uh, downtown Houston, like actually an in-person event, which Yay! was exciting. Um, and I'm sitting next to a lady that's a, a geologist, which is fairly common in the oil and gas world. Most people probably don't know that's incredibly common, but she is a um, paleontological geologist. So what she does is she looks at fossil samples that come up as they're drilling, because depending on the type of microscopic fossil that's in the mud that comes up, she can tell you what layer of rock you're in and how much further you have to go to hit, you know, whatever you're looking for. And just weird, fascinating stuff. Yeah. So all kinds of different things. Yeah. And, you know, I've learned that as I've been doing this. Um, and one of my first guests will be my sister, yeah. who's actually an attorney. And I know everybody has their feelings about lawyers, <laughs> but she is an oil and gas corporate attorney. And she um, helps get right aways for the pipeline. Yeah. So. But just like with, you know, the perspective you have going into the oil and gas world, Unfortunately, that's the same perspective that most small business owners and operators have when they start hearing about quality management. It's, it's not even the deer in the headlights look. It's like, what in the world are you talking about? They have no concept of what all is out there. And then when we come in using these weird terms, we're alienating. Well, so let's say you're a small business and you don't know anything about quality management. You don't know anything about ISO. You don't know it exists and somebody comes and says, hey, you have a quality management program? And you think like, okay, well, I manage the shop and I have a quality product. Like, what, you That's know, as far as it, What do you yeah. mean? And then I would think, um, you know, if it's a small business owner, that somebody coming in saying, I can help you run your business better, feels very... Um, Insulting? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like an attack. Mm-hmm. I've had business coaches approach me in the, the same thing, you know, a couple of years back um, when we were trying to get things figured out. And it, it was, I had the same experience. You're coming at me talking about how they can, you know, help me build and grow my business, which sounds great on the surface. But then they start digging in. And it's like, man, you're, you're kind of dogging everything I'm doing here and how I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Hindsight, they probably had some expertise I could have benefited from. But the approach did that. It, it made me feel insulted and it put me in a, a weird spot where I didn't really want to work with these folks. Mm-hmm. 
And now, obviously, Texas Quality Assurance, we sell these services to other small businesses. Mm -hmm. But uh, we had an instance uh, recently where there was a a client that had um, a central facility, and then they had another machine shop in, like, Wyoming and one in uh, Colorado and one in Midland. And, yeah, I probably got the cities wrong. But (laughs) so they had, you know, these these various little machine shops. And when I say little, I mean literally little. Like, they have a single machine and one or two guys running the show. And – so we're talking with him about, well, how can you properly manage these shops without hiring a full-time quality person? Because let's face it, you don't need a full-time quality manager yeah. for one machine. Why not that small? <laughs> so it's like, well, how do you sell the value of this to, to these folks? And I mean, sell it internally within your own organization. I think that's part of what we talked about on the, the last episode that aired was, uh, you know, uh, these five keys to an implementation, mm-hmm. right? So how do you sell it internally? And part of the selling it internally piece there is the same as we have selling it to anyone else is you got to talk like a real person. Right. (laughs) Well, and to curb that feeling of insulting them, Mm -hmm. I, you know, like liken it to kids because that's my background. Mm -hmm. You know, to get kids to perform well, you've got to tell them what they're doing well. Yeah. And say, how can we build on that? Yes. Um, you know, you don't want to be negative. Mm-mm. And I think it's the same thing going into a small business owner saying, yeah. hey, what are y'all doing well? Mm-hmm. Show me. No, I agree. Definitely. What do you feel like you need help with? Yeah. Yeah. And even uh, better than what I found, need, what do you need help with? Just get people to, if you can get someone venting about the problems that they have with production, and I don't mean that as like some sleazy sales tactic, but like really, like get them talking about the problems they run into every day. Those are your opportunities to improve on, mm-hmm. right? But don't just say, hey, I have this method and that will eliminate your waste. No. You can say, hey, you're doing excellent over here. What's so great about this piece of the process? But why does it stink so bad over here? Mm-hmm. And that's, again, we start getting into the whole process approach with that. What are your inputs? What are your outputs? What are your controls? But when you talk to people and start building you on what they use, do well. You don't use inputs, outputs, no, and controls. No, you never use those words. But you talk about, well, what's great, so great over here? Why is this part of the shop running so well and this part of the shop running so badly? You know, what are these guys doing so well over here? And you can start building on that. And maybe in your head as a quality manager, you're, you know, you're thinking all these things, which is, you know, what you should do. But, yeah, you gotta got to change your language and curb it. So I think that's what this guy went on for several pages, uh, kind of, let's say, venting about. Very structured vent. Yeah, his was uh, just kind of one page, but there's a lot of comments on it, mm-hmm. you know, and people agreeing with him, you know, that we're it's kind of an untapped market because consultants don't know how to speak to these small business owners no or approach them no and i would like to you know just dog on any other competition in the area that's a quality consultant right but it's i really can't it is true of anyone that's that's an expert in a field right whether you're Mm -hmm. you know you're the local company expert and you're the quality director for you know mid-size uh enterprise or whether you're the standalone quality consultant or someone like us that works in a team is you're the expert on it. Great. But that doesn't mean um, you're automatically qualified to help someone improve their business processes. Those are people skills that are tough. Well, and being the expert doesn't mean you have to talk down to people. No. And I don't think we realize how often we do it sometimes. 
And I think it's purely unintentional. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, I I have recently signed up to volunteer with an organization, and I got a big three or four inch binder. Yeah. Um, for the training, and there were several, probably five or more pages of acronyms. Yeah. That I needed. I don't think I'm expected to know them, but I need to be familiar with and know where to find them. Yeah. Um, so, wow, that feels intimidating. You want me to volunteer <laughs> my time, but learn all this stuff like I'm yeah. an expert? Yeah. Um, so I think it's true of any field, not just quality management. You just get involved in your day-to-day, and that's your common language. Yeah. Um, but you have to change that when you're talking to people that don't know that, and yeah. especially people that you want to do business with. Yep. And not just because you want to do business with them, because but because you truly want to help them improve their business. I agree. I totally agree. Um, you know, that, that's that's what I love about what I do is um, the results that this has on organizations. It's just, it, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, how much good can be done for these people? And you think about, all right, so they got 50 employees. That's not a whole lot of people, but man, that's 50 families right there. Right. That's 50 families. And you, you, you just help make it easier for them to continue putting bread on the table. Like, that mm-hmm. that's fantastic. But to do so, the the way that our modern quality, you know, culture is, is set up is it's not targeting these folks. It's it's targeting the, the quality director for, you know, uh, multi-level, multi-site, you know, $100 million organization. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with talking to those folks. Mm-hmm. But there's 20 million small businesses in the country that aren't going to get it. Yeah, so I guess our advice to other quality ma- managers or consultants mm-hmm. that are helping the quality managers is to um, speak a common language. Yeah. Kind of hold their hand, but don't make it obvious that you're holding their hand. Yeah. And build on what they're already doing well. Yeah. And and don't use the language of a quality manager or a quality consultant. No. And... Uh... To me, the easiest way to do that, it's honestly the most fun for me, but I know it's not always for a lot of consultants, but get out on the shop floor. Spend a full day out on the shop floor and don't have the quality manager guide you around. Have one of the shop supervisors guide you around. Learn all the ins and outs about what they do because once you do that, then you actually see what they do well and you've talked to the people that are doing the actual work. That's where progress is going to be made. So I wish you guys could see Kyle's face right now because the joy that comes over his face when he talks about walking a shop floor is unmatchable, I think, um, or unmatched. Yeah. And and to that end, if you have a shop, Kyle loves to tour shops. Yeah, I do. I just want to see what Whether you're doing. Whether he's going to, you know, help you out or not, he just likes to put on his hard hat and his steel toes and come out there and look at a shop. I'm always blown away at so many ways that folks, like, see this is an example where I'm using, you know, some of the... Jargon. Yeah, but like really provide value and so many ways to solve the same problem. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people thought up these things and made these processes work in so many different ways. I just, uh, I love it. I, I love seeing folks out there doing the hard work, what it takes to make our country and our society survive and thrive. And it, it's just, it's wonderful. All right. I guess we'll end on that note. Thanks for listening, y'all. Kyle here with Quality Matters. 
It is no surprise to any of you that listen that I am passionate about quality and quality management systems. There is so much good that can be done in our country, in our economy, in our communities by implementing these ideas. If you feel passionately about this as well, do us a favor and share this podcast with someone you know that could benefit from understanding or knowing that others feel passionately about quality and quality management and the good that it can do for us. We did a lot. We're we're taking risks today, though. We're recording today on Friday the 13th in 2020. I think if we don't acknowledge it's the 13th, then it's not real. Too late. We'll take that part out. Sorry there. (laughs) Okay. So, again...